All right. Welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. I'm Matt, and I am here talking with my friend Scott Shipley. We're going to talk about one of the coolest, most badass movies, and a movie that you guys know, I'm sure. It's a movie that I love and that me and my buddy Scott quote to each other, I would say, two or three times a, a month, I would guess. We're talking about the Joel Schumacher epic, Falling Down, starring Michael Douglas. Before we get into that, though, guys, I want to just remind you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at LaunchpadPod, and be sure to check us out at the website, launchpadpod.com. Please subscribe, hit like, leave reviews, all that stuff is really, really helpful to us guys and it means a lot. Let us know what you guys are up for, let us know what you guys are doing. We love to hear from you guys too, but for now, let's fall down. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff, we have a liftoff. All right, I am here with my buddy Scott Shipley. Scott, welcome to the Launchpad. Thank you. You sound good on microphone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard you on microphone. You're doing a great job so far. <laughs> so, Scott, why don't you uh, say a little bit about yourself? You could say how we know each other, aside from both fucking loving movies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you and I go back so long. We go back, uh, geez, well over a decade, but. Uh, yeah, went to college together in Boston. Uh, you know, both lived out here, um, live out here, uh, work in entertainment, um, at least in our backgrounds. And um, yeah, just love movies. So that's, you know, definitely what we're here to talk about. And uh, you you are special amongst my friends because we have been on quite a few adventures yeah. together. And I feel like a lot of them specifically take place at night. I was telling someone the other day the story about the Night Surf Ninjas. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell, kind of, tell us what Night Surf Ninjas was? <laughs> Night Surf Ninjas was, you know, for anyone that's seen Point Break, they have like this ridiculous full moon surfing scene and we're like, let's see if we can actually just go surf at night. And I've done it a couple times, but you and I went out and uh, and we're just paddling around and it's super creepy and there's just like, you know, shapes and And it kelp was and literally just you and I. Just No us. other friends went oh, yeah. and no one else was there. Yeah, it was, it was, it was just us. Deserted. And I remember it was like one of those moments where you're like, and we were younger. It was probably like, yeah. what, early 20s, maybe mid 20s? Yeah, Something nothing like that. to lose except a limb. And you know, that was the thing. It was like, whoa, big balls. They're going to go out and, 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 and surf in the dark. And it would be like, I think we went like, around midnight like yeah. it was late we yeah. went late on purpose because we were so cool and we got there and we're paddling around and i don't know if it happened to you but there was that thing like i've seen like thousands of killer shark movies yeah and i also know that sharks do exist in the world yeah there's also shit we don't know about there's also just like gross shit and i'm like <laughs> we have no clue what is under us right now it's literally like surfing on oil right yeah. like it's just jet yeah. black it's cool it's it was cool. super cool and then we took when we, we had a, I don't know how long we stayed out, but we stayed out. We surfed for a bit. We came back on shore and we were like, we got to take a picture. Yeah. So we wrote <laughs> Night Surf Ninjas because we were yeah. in our wetsuits, right? We wrote Night Surf Ninjas in the sand. That's a, I mean, that in my book makes us super badass and a force to be reckoned with. I would like to think, think so or just lucky that we're still here. Both. You know? Yeah. No, the fucking yeah. sharks are lucky we yeah, didn't go yeah, down yeah, there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. What he said. <laughs> but uh, Scott and I definitely forces to be. Uh, forces to be reckoned with. Yeah. Scott and I definitely forces to be reckoned with, but what's an even bigger force to be reckoned with is defense. Michael Douglas, the star of Falling Down, a movie about a guy in Los Angeles who just 
can't take it anymore. Yeah. He has a name, but I think most of the people in the movie refer to him, him as, as defense, defense because yeah. it's like this, uh, this person that they don't really know who it is. They, they, but they're slowly connecting the dots. I don't want to get, are we allowed to, yeah, no, no, to the, spoil? I mean, we spoil most things. And okay. it's, it's the, it's but, the, if you haven't seen de- uh, defense, if you haven't seen falling down, Joel Schumacher, 1993, I think. Yeah. Ebby yeah, Rose Smith is the writer. You need to check it out. Yeah. It is an awesome movie. It is my go-to for the guy who's had an... I mean, aside from Network, I guess. Yeah. It's it's the action movie of that. That's a wonderful way to put it. You got to check it out. If you haven't, turn it off right now. Go see it and then come back because we're going to start spoiling shit. But uh, do you remember the first time you've seen this movie, Scott? Oh, it, I think it was... It, it, I didn't see it in the theater, but I saw it very shortly thereafter. I think it was on HBO style? or, okay, or, yeah, or yeah. rented. Yeah, but it was, you know, back when y- you... Either you saw it because you rented it at a video store or you saw it because you were lucky enough to have a subscription or like your neighbor did and you, th- there was a lot of ways that people ripped cable off back then. Sure, back in the day. Yeah. Um, I saw this with my dad. He must have either rented it or like you said, it must have been. We didn't get HBO a lot, but like it must have been on because we, we sat down and watched it. So 93, I was 11 years old yeah. and I was just the right age to kind of understand that it was making a statement about a lot of stuff, yeah. but also just to take it on the, the, the surface, the face value of this guy is fucking pissed and he's fighting back to a certain extent the daily bullshit that is vexing him. Right. Starts uh, off, he is in his car in bumper-to-bumper traffic in Los Angeles and he cracks, he gets out of his car and he starts to leave. The guy behind him is like, hey, buddy, where you going? <laughs> And uh, he he says, I'm going home. And that kind of becomes the 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 journey of the movie, or at least of his character. And we find out his his name is is William Foster or Bill, Bill Foster. Foster. And but every you know, based on the license plate on his car reads like the 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 letters read out D F E N S. And so it's like defense that later comes out in the movie, but we just kind of that that becomes the go-to phrase to refer to his character by the, you know, police and other characters in the movie. And it, you know, he starts, it starts with him in that car. You already know something's up. And then he starts walking and uh, we're introduced to Prentergast, who is uh, Robert Duvall playing a cop that's literally on his last day, supposed to be retiring that day. He's a, uh, a robbery, right? Robbery detective. And he's got a, 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 to overly demanding, childish wife at home. We find out later that they've lost a kid. They have a shaky marriage, and this this retirement has kind of been forced on him, not by the department, but by his wife. She wants him the fuck out of there, and she wants to just retire with him. And you could tell that he's just going along with it pretty much for her, and his, you know, his colleagues in the department, and certainly his boss has given him shit about it. And he ends up kind of getting a whiff of defense as defense first goes to a Korean market and uh, rolls back prices to <laughs> 1955. Yeah, he says 1955, <laughs> which is really funny because that kind of is is where his mind is as a character. Mm-hmm. I think it's it, that that plays in the larger like thematic um, arcs of the movie is that like his character is we, we come later to find out that he works in the defense industry or at least he did. And and he was involved in like missile defense, and so hence the license plate. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think in his mind he he's 
yearning for an older, simpler time. Sure, yeah. Where prices were more amenable to a guy that's on a hot day looking for a soda. Of course, that's like the flashpoint that sets all these other events mm-hmm. in motion. And it's like, it's comical, but it's also serious and it's also scary. And I think that's what makes this movie so enduring, like even now, is that... Yeah, I think that's true. And it's odd. Scott and I literally just watched this movie just now. And we watched it with on Blu-ray with the commentary, which I've never watched this movie's commentary before. And it had numerous actors. I think it had the production designer, the editor, the yeah. writer. Um, it was really kind of informative. And it definitely... I don't know if you felt this because we literally we just turned the movie off, went to the bathroom, got some tea and now we, we got the gear going on. We didn't talk about it. I don't know if you felt this listening to the commentary, but I, I was expecting it to be more a scene by scene commentary. where like, oh, I remember this day we did yeah, this and this. More about the and production. Correct. And yeah. it wasn't. This was yeah. more about like a lot of the themes. It was about how um, it, L.A. was at the time that they were shooting this. They shooted this For while sure. the riots broke out. Yeah. They were talking about that. They were talking about L.A. as a as a state of mind almost and as an environment, not just as a backdrop for the movie. They didn't really say L.A. is a character, but I feel like L.A. is a character in this I, film. Yeah, I don't think you can deny it because it's almost like it. There's L.A. provides geographical impediments, but also like human impediments to him sure. getting home. And, you know, when we watched yeah. it, you mentioned that this is similar to The Warriors, which is one of my Very all-time similar. favorite fucking yeah. bopping movies. Yeah. And it's, I think it's, it, you look at those two movies, and if you do look at them side by side as a comparison, you know, The Warriors is a very different thing. They have a, a much smaller city to get through if you think about it geographically. Sure. But uh, y- you have a lot more to travel in Los Angeles, but there's also a lot of different pockets of people. Yeah. A lot of different, you know demographics of people different areas that you're moving through and that was one thing that the commentary mentioned not not just mentioned but really kind of talked about and it really that was something that you and i had talked about during the initial credits was i don't think that this movie to be this movie could take place in any other city really in the world but certainly not in united states yeah and then there's funny later i forget which person was saying it but on the commentary they said you couldn't do this in new york Right. right. And then we were like, what other city could you do this that would have the same impact? It would be a completely different movie. It would. And, and I think when going back to the Warriors, the, the Warriors is, a, of course, a larger group of people. And what that's the difference. But the similarity is that I think both uh, protagonists are flawed. Like, sure. we, like, I don't think that that's hidden like or that's something that you get surprised with at the end that you find out that the protagonist has issues or isn't perfect. I mm-hmm. think. I think the Warriors are like, these guys are a street gang. And, you you know, you see, <laughs> yeah. I think it's um, uh, James Remar. Like, he's like the worst of them. Like, he's, sure. he's like, you know, hey, girl, you want to, you know, yeah, he's, he's the homophobic, bench. almost yeah. a rapist. Yeah. Like, he's, yeah. yeah. But, you know, he's one of the Warriors. And you kind of like, you, 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 fu- you pick your who out of that group, you know, you kind of identify with. With Michael Douglas, I feel like it's you pick a trait of his in this movie. Like everyone can identify with at least one mm. small part of him, even if they cast off all the other parts as, you know, horrific or outdated or, you know, um, him having it, it kind of goes to the scene where he, where he says to the Korean shop owner, um, which I believe is played by a Chinese man. Funny enough. Sure. I'd looking at his last name and, and also Chinese American. And then also the, the funny part is the uh, the detective in Prendergast station mm-hmm. that says like, well, Mr. Lee is Korean and I am Japanese. Right. His last name <laughs> yeah. is actually Park, the actor. So he's actually <laughs> Korean, which I think is really funny. But anyway, um, 
you know, when he says to the shop owner in the very, the first sort of, um, tense scene in the movie, he says, uh, you know, do, do you have any idea how much money we, we my country gives your country? And he's like, how much? And he goes, well, I don't know, but it's probably it's a, a lot. lot. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it just shows that he, you know, that's the side of it that most people aren't going to identify with. They're not going to like his ignorance at times. Mm-hmm. But I think you see that he does have this sort of loose moral code that. Oh. Sure. And I think they built him as an everyman on purpose, right? right. Because you want to identify with him. And he's interesting because he's definitely a vigilante and like an anti-hero type of character, right? right? And they mentioned numerous times about how, you know, a lot of the things that set him off and a lot of the things that he fights in this are shit that we have to deal with, right? Going to a fast food place a couple minutes after they stop serving breakfast and being told, fuck you, it's lunchtime now. Right. And like you think about the logistics, like you really can't just fucking give me that whatever biscuit thing. Like it's right fucking there, right? It's not like it's in a different building at this point. Yeah. And it's like that kind of stuff. People pushing him on the bus, homeless people feeling that they he owes them something for no reason. You know, some guys trying to mug him when he's literally minding his own business. And, you know, the, the, the commentary is, and again, it's, this is stuff that we know, but it's always interesting to hear from the creator's perspective. Sure. They said that, uh, you know, he, he's the fantasy that we all have about punching that person out who absolutely fucking deserves it. But because we live in a society that is yeah. civilized and has rules, there's so many reasons and checks and balances in place for us not to punch or take a, a you know, a, a, a Mac 10 to our problems. Right. <laughs> right. But I think they also, they mentioned, they mentioned it in the commentary, but they didn't really go into it. And this is what I want to talk about with you is let's talk a little bit about that line of rooting for the underdog slash anti-hero, but you, there's that line. If you right. cross that line, you are now too far away from me to relate and you have crossed over too much from an anti-hero into like the villain. And now it's not fun anymore. It's not a fantasy. Now I'm afraid of you or now I'm angry with you and now I disagree with you. Do you think that this movie and this character defense, do you think that they do and he does a good job of staying on this side of anti-hero, on this side of being a villain? As in like this side being the, the, the quote-unquote good side. The right. side that you the can side relate most to. of us or the majority of like the viewers are going to say, okay, I, I understand why he did that. Yeah. I think that what's interesting about the structure of the movie and the way his character de- develops or deconstructs itself, <laughs> you know, uh, mm-hmm. into chaos, however you want to look at it. I think that the, it, you and I are watching it toward, you know, towards the end, it, it's his wife they're estranged but his wife and daughter he's kind of trying to get home to them and they're kind of resisting that well not kind of they are because they're they you can see they have a troubled possibly violent past as a couple but he's in the house and i was i was like matt he better not kill the dog right and like even though we know i don't want to spoil alert again but like he doesn't but he's petting the dog and you kind of that that almost just him doing that as Mm. an actor i don't know if that was the writer director joel schumacher or not but it was like, they almost make you think, oh my God, he might kill the dog. Well, yeah, yeah. But he doesn't. Mm-hmm. And you're like, so he still does have love for his family. But I think what the line that is truly crossed is, hey, all the people that, you know, did jerky things to him in, in LA throughout the day, like they all did something that struck a chord in all of us that may have, you know, I totally understand where he's coming from. He's pissed off at that. Where it really crosses the line is, hey, you know, he, he can't go after his own family. Or there's the caretaker uh, character, you know, after he goes to the golf course, you know, that that's where I think he he also sees his, his own flaw of, oh, my gosh, this is someone else's family. So 
that's definitely the moment he sees yes. his flaw. Yeah. For sure. Um, even more, I think even more so, some people say so at the end of the movie, him and the cop, Pentergast, Robert Duvall, have like a standoff. And Robert Duvall is really trying to talk him back in to like, let's put the guns down and, and walk away. And, and we see it. And then Prentergast sees that he's not going to walk away. This is ending here one way or another. And Douglas kind of challenges him to a shoot off. And I, I won't spoil it, I guess, till we have to. But the, a lot of people think that that's the moment where he realizes because he says when when Robert Duvall is like, you don't want to do these bad things, you know, put your gun down, let's stop. And Michael Douglas like freezes and looks at him and he says, Michael Douglas says, I'm the bad guy. Oh yeah. That, that, and I think so other than I'm going home, I'm the bad guy is kind of the, the signature line of right. the movie. It's even, I mean, when we were joking around and I was going to like send you a gif of like something <laughs> from falling down just in a text message, um, that was one of the, the memes that comes up. Yeah. So, yeah. In today's like sort of world of memes, like when someone actually goes to to the length to make one and get it out there on the internet, um, and a gif, you know that 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 also resonated with enough. Sure, yeah, right, because so it's, it's a like reference a now that fire. we're all getting, yeah. yeah. But I feel that uh, that that moment where he's with the 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 family that he almost inadvertently takes hostage for a second, I think that's when he realizes what the score is. He knows what he is then. He knows, I think he knows right then how this is going to end. Yeah, and, and he's you know? on a path to to a, a surefire uh, nowhere. There's, sure, yeah. yeah I th- and I think he realizes like, fuck, I'm dressed like this. I'm scaring people. You know, it's, it's funny. I read a comic today that's about like a badass superhero kind of guy. His name is Midnighter, DC character. And he takes down this woman, gets these superpowers and storms a corporation and is killing all these people who have released... Um, released drugs like pharmaceutical drugs that they knew had a defect that would kill some, like a small percentage of the people who took them with an allergy and she's killing them for revenge and this guy Midnighter stops her and he says what you're doing is right but you're doing it in the wrong way sure so and I thought it was actually a really interesting thing to have this superhero come in and stop her and I feel like that applies Completely to defense, right? Yeah. I feel like everything he does in this movie, and that speaks again to our thing, the anti-hero versus the villain. What you're doing is right. It's not really the right way. Yeah. But like, you shouldn't have to take shit from this type of person or this type of business or this. You shouldn't have to deal with this kind of bullshit. But you also can't walk in with an Uzi. You know, you yeah. can't, because, because a guy rushes you off a payphone. You cannot destroy the payphone with an automatic weapon, <laughs> yeah, right? And that was a, I should just, as a side note, if you've seen like King of New York, like the Abel Ferreira, you mm-hmm. know, Christopher Walken masterpiece, the, there, they shoot up a phone booth in that movie. That was just a thing in the 90, the early 90s. Why do you like, think there's no phone booths anymore, yeah, bro? Exactly. Like, they all movies. got fucking <laughs> shot up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, yeah, it was as, and, and uh, as far as Uzis are concerned, I thought one of the coolest things that, one of the coolest tidbits because there's a lot of like pontificating in this yeah commentary which was great but one of the i thought the coolest facts that we got was from the editor who said uh there's these 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 latino gang members kind of harass him he beats them off (laughs) it's a different movie (laughs) yeah sorry that's not falling down that's getting off yeah that was getting Um, up (laughs) (laughs) he 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 beats them away they leave and then they come back 
for revenge with right. more gang members. They do a drive-by. They miss him. Their car crashes, and almost all the gang members are either dead or incapacitated. He comes up and takes their guns, and he's like, you know, you need shooting lessons. You missed. And he pulls up an Uzi, and he shoots at one of the guys, and he misses, and he says, I missed too. Then he takes a better aim and shoots the guy pretty much point blank right in the leg and then right. walks away. He gets, gets some shooting lessons, asshole, and walks away. And the editor relayed this story about um, that the, the, the studio didn't want that. They thought that was crossing the line. They, they wanted that out. And he said that the only difference that test audiences reacted to between those two versions was at the end, they... When, they, when he didn't shoot the gang member, they weren't surprised at the end because they knew that he wasn't going to cross that line. So it wasn't, I, I, I think the audience, according to him, yeah. the audiences were not as edge of their seat at the end because they knew where his limit was. When in the first act, he shoots a guy who's already, and his legs are mangled, like he's not yeah. going anywhere, he's not a threat. He shoots this guy in the leg. It was like, okay, in act one, I'm doing this. And you know I'm going towards my family this whole movie. What's going to happen at the end? And I think that that makes sense. I like that story. And I think it was more important to keep that in than to take it out. Do you agree? Yeah. And, and you know, it's it's weird. I, I won't. It's a whole separate. Um, it, it's almost like falling down in reverse because they, they've been ta- taken away. Oh, from getting, the, yeah. Get it's getting up. <laughs> <laughs> it's been if going back to Red Dawn, which we watched not too long ago, the 1980s mm. Red Dawn. They, um, it's that first kill. If you think about that, like that, sure. Not yeah, only yeah. Meta- almost metaphorically when they kill the elk, um, in in that scene we joke about a lot, but it's it's that you know when when you see a lot of characters kind of like they've they lose their innocence. Sure. Yeah. 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 But it's not just losing their innocence when you think about it. It's that a switch is flipped in their head, which which tells their subconscious, their their you know their ego, everything that okay, it's all right to kill people now, or it's mm-hmm. all right to hurt people. Sure, yeah, and, yeah. And that's, you know, we've seen that time and again throughout history, but in this particular movie in Falling Down, it's like, you're right, like, that ratchets up the tension for the audience when they did that, and that was probably a good choice for them. It kind of makes this movie iconic and enduring. Is like, this guy is absolutely nuts. And I feel like when you, you, your, your analogy of flipping a switch is apt because I feel like once you flip that, you can't, unflip it right you know what right, i mean if right. you shoot someone in the leg and then never shoot anybody again you still shot that guy in the yeah, leg you point can't blank. undo There's, it and yeah. i feel like especially when you're in a you know one and a half to two and a half hour long entertainment situation like a film you can't come back from that right. which is why i understand the studio's position in that situation saying no we don't want him to go there because you can't come back yeah but i think in this situation for this movie it's certainly works and i think that that is very important to the character because then when he he jumps that fence and comes upon that family that we know immediately is an innocent family we don't know what he's gonna yeah. do you know what yeah. i mean it's there is a second there the first time you watch that scene so in the movie he's on the run essentially as he's looking for his family and at this point he is flat out killed at least one person yeah. who was a nazi and we as the audience agree deserved it but he murdered him yeah he shot up a McDonald's, no people, but made a big scene shooting people up. He beat up and, you know, shot the gang member in the leg. He beat up other gang members. He jumps this fence and he lands in like a rich person's backyard and there's people back there, the caretakers having a barbecue. I think it's funny because as a, a kid, I didn't understand why the film 
distinguished that they are the caretakers, not the people who are supposed to be there. Yeah. And I realize now as an adult, because rich people yeah. would have been a target for that. Yeah. And, and the, also an adult living in Los Angeles. And that, that brings it <laughs> sure, back to, right. that makes total sense because right. as you know, I've done it too. Like I've, I've sort of in, in weird ways been to rich people's houses and had pool parties there because I was allowed to, because I, I, or someone I knew worked for them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's also another thing that's like yeah. kind of an, not that you can't do that anywhere else, but it's a very LA. Very, very. Thing, right. Yeah. But yeah, he jumps, Michael Douglas defense jumps this fence and comes upon this family. It's, it's a, a, a two grownups and two kids. Right. Yeah. And they're just having like a pool party or a barbecue and He's dressed in military fatigues. He's holding a bag of guns. I don't remember if he's holding a gun. Yeah, out he's got the, the sawed off, off right? Yeah. So they immediately freeze, and he realizes that they're afraid of him. Right. And he doesn't, and it's he does a great job. It must have been, I think it must have been great directing and acting in that situation, because you can see in Michael Douglas's face that he doesn't think he's a threat to them until he realizes that they're nervous. Right. And, you know, you know, it's funny that it's just dawning on me that you're talking about that particular scene and how those characters interplay off each other. I all the other characters that he that he did resort to violence with or conflict were people who were aggressive towards him or mm-hmm. were, were an impediment to him getting home. Right. right. These guys aren't. And it, it kind of immediately changes the tone. And I think if you if you could grab that character at any other point in the movie and be like, dude, you just shot up at McDonald's. He'd be like, yeah, but they didn't give me the breakfast. They were arguing. You know what right. I mean? I think he in his mind would not think that what he did was extreme. Because at that point, the, the switch has already been flipped, right? Right. You can even argue, and some of the filmmakers did in the commentary, that when he gets out of his car at the beginning of the movie before he's really done anything that we've seen, a switch is already flipped. It's not a violent switch yet, but it's a switch. Yeah. And that's, but, but, but then when he gets out of that car, you can't. Go back into that car, so to speak. Right? Yeah, and, and they they were. Uh, it was really cool the way they talked about LA being a car city, yeah. which, which it, it absolutely is, and um and and how car culture. That was another word that we we don't hear enough probably to describe how much time people spend in their cars. Like, and it ends up being like almost a, akin to as much time as you spend asleep. Sure, like and I when, think that's probably true in most places, but certain again, certainly. certainly in this city, right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the car, like what. What you feel and also what the commentary kind of hinted at about how this, the layout of L.A. as a city and the fact that it is a car culture city, how that plays into this movie and the journey that, that Michael Douglas' oh. character takes. Well, well, for instance, some of the people that were like met him with aggression uh, it, twice in the movie, it was construction workers. And, That's true, yeah, yeah. And, and so I think he says like, uh, you know, what are you doing to the road? And he's like, we're fixing it. And then he's like. Well, two days ago, it was fine. You're trying to tell me it broke down in two yeah. days? So, so that's, I mean, that's a frustration that anybody who drives every day for work or even has driven every day for work mm-hmm. can identify with. You know, it's oh, like absolutely. Oh, construction and then it makes everyone go down to one lane and then drivers being in our, you know, selfish little cages that we're in or like, I'm not going to let this next person in and just creates that ripple effect. But it, but I think the, the traffic was an impediment. Funny enough, there's the scene like you mentioned earlier, he's trying to get on this bus to get um, and we notice it's the Santa Monica bus line. So it's mm-hmm. like he's downtown and he's trying to get all the way, you know, probably 18, 20 miles to Santa Monica or the Venice area to to get to his family. And he just gets sort of elbowed out of the way and everyone gets on the bus and he doesn't get on. So it's like a breakdown of public transportation, a breakdown of, you know, uh, even walking, even down to his, the fact that he has a hole in his shoe. That was a true. literal yeah, impediment yeah. That's to right. him. 
And that's what, that's actually the first, other than the, the store scene where he's busting up the store, the very next thing that happens is he's like trying to fix his shoe and these guys get in his way. So it's like he's, every single thing has been um, almost an impediment to his mobility. You think about it. The fence that he cuts his hand on when he runs in the Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. You know, the golf course, they, they're yelling at him about, you know, yeah. <laughs> he pulls the shotgun out five, <laughs> but it's, it's, you know, and, and I think, um, that, that they didn't want him walking on the golf course. So like every single thing that happens to him, I never really put that together until yeah. this evening that, that it's all about people have gotten in the way of him getting home. And mm-hmm. that's, it's a, such a simple thing in his mind. It's almost like he, he's gone down to more like childlike impulses. Sure. And, okay. and even though he's supposed to be a father, he's, He's thinking like, I just want this and you guys are in my way. And, and for him, it's like when they're in his way with aggression and violence, he meets it with the same, but yeah, that's, that's interesting. I never put it, I put, didn't put that together till this particular time watching it. And I'm thinking, I mean, you have like an almost encyclopedia, like, (laughs) like memory for films and specifically quotes and situation in movies but you must have seen this movie a bunch of times right oh easily over a dozen times yeah, maybe maybe 20 way. i mean over because it's been and when i think about it i saw it uh I, I i had mentioned you know before we started watching it that i i've lived out here 15 years in los angeles moved out in 2004 but i actually came out um a few months after the la riots to visit yeah. a friend back when he had moved from michigan and you know he was like hey do you want to stay with it they were down in orange county but I flew through LA and went, like, we went through LA and came back to LA a couple times. And I remember seeing the burned out buildings and stuff and just thinking like, this is a city I've never seen before. And just seeing the sprawl in the expanse and, you know, going back to just how difficult it is for Michael Douglas to get across LA, just coming to drive here and see, you know, you to, sure, to yeah, come yeah. on your show. It's like, there's uh, every five minutes, it's like, there's another accident. There's another accident. The CHP was whipping across the highway trying to slow people down oh you saw the, one of those on the yeah way over? one of those like where you know anyone who's not from los angeles would be like oh my god what the what, fuck is that? what's <laughs> happening and everyone else is like oh that happens all the time he's just trying to break just up traffic. Down a little bit yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so it really i mean this captured the car culture it captured the vast expanse of la and just i mean even if you didn't have the heightened drama intention of this movie if my car broke down and i had to walk from downtown to venice it would be very difficult to pop your way all the way home. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. Scott, this has been freaking blast talking about falling down with you. There's really no one else I'd rather talk about this movie with. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I know that you got out of your car and walked here the last 20 miles. (laughs) Where are you, where are you going? Hey buddy, where are you going? I'm going to the Launchpad podcast. (laughs) Um, we're joking now, but this was actually a pretty serious episode because this movie, tell me if you disagree, Scott, we can enjoy this movie on multiple levels. Yes. It, it, you don't have to dive too, too deep into it. And I think that's what makes it so enduring is that um, th- th- it didn't go into too many tropes. I mean, like you, you have the retiring cop, but I think that they effectively make that a point a, a much needed comic relief mm, at, yeah. at different points. Like Prendergast is actually the, um, which is Robert Duvall's character is actually very understated for a Robert Duvall character, yeah. but also much more lighthearted than most Robert Duvall characters. That's true as well. So so I think it his character really gives you a lot of opportunities to laugh. And then Michael Douglas, in and of himself, um, 
he, I think, exits a trap that he was in for a lot of the late 80s, early 90s, where he was taking himself too seriously. Yep. And you see him in a complete, I think, role reversal or just exit from any type of role he played before. So I think for him, he was having fun with the role, or at least he was exploring, you know, who he could be as an actor. And I think you see that. And I think he, you know, his his almost like dry, um, slight curl of the mouth smiles that he does with these like the, these witticisms that he spews out after something absolutely terrible happens, like the juxtaposition. Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, when he shoots up the phone booth with a full magazine of ammo and just says like, I think it's out of order, like <laughs> just the deadpans, you know, that it's it, that, it, you know, definitely kept it in that early nineties, um, just gold mine of like one liners, like the well, movie. And that's yeah. what I want to talk about, but you guys are going to have to wait to next episode for that. This has been our serious discussion on falling down. But the next episode, Scott and I are just going to bullshit about this movie that we love. <laughs> We're going to, you know, we kind of talked about the deeper levels and some of the symbolism and the meanings and themes in this movie. Next time, we're just going to have fun with it. So keep it tuned right here to the Launchpad podcast. Scott, thank you so much again for coming on, bud. We'll see thank you again you. next week. Uh, you guys can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Launchpad Pod and on our website, thelaunchpadpod.com. Please leave reviews, guys. Subscribe, like. I hate asking that because it sounds like the same bullshit that every idiot on the internet asks, but you know that I'm better than every other idiot with the possible exception of Rumi. He's close to being tied with me. Uh, he's not here to defend himself. Um, but yeah, please do that, guys. It's a big help, and we will see you guys back here. So, Scott, it's your first time in the Launchpad. I got to show you a secret handshake. Uh, I'm going to say this is the Launchpad podcast, and we are out, and we're going to come in sideways like this. We're going to hit turn our hands inverted and then go up and as we go up we do a raspberry awesome all right all right so, all right all right so scott uh, I, i'll say this is the launchpad podcast and then you i'm gonna say we are and then you say out okay all right this is the launchpad podcast scotty and we are out <laughs> <laughs> see you guys next time ignition sequence start six five four